Good morning. Wow, a lot's been going on this morning here at Grace Chapel. We're grateful for that. So grateful that each one of you are here today. As we open up God's Word in in Luke's study, we're going to be taking a break from Luke now as we enter Advent season for four weeks. But today we're going to be looking just as Jesus is about to begin his ministry, his public ministry. And Luke records Jesus' temptation. Nancy read from from Luke chapter 4, the first 13 verses. Satan is our adversary. That's what Satan means. That's the meaning of the name, an adversary. And a classic picture of our adversary is in the book of Job. Won't take time to turn to Job today, but you can read even the first two chapters. You see how Satan loves to oppose God. He's an enemy of God, and he opposes God regularly. Not only that, but he loves to challenge or pick on God's people. That's an ongoing conflict, and it's not going to end until Jesus returns, which could be very soon. But as Satan is our adversary, and he's the great tempter, he's the one that battles against God's will, against God's people who are doing God's will, we have to realize that not all our trials or temptations or struggles come from Satan. Sometimes they come from within ourselves. Our own sinful nature, our own bent towards selfishness and and having things our own way leads us into trouble, and we love to be comfortable. We love to be on top. We love to put others down so we can lift ourselves up. That's called our sin nature. It's what we inherited from our parents, Adam and Eve, and it's a battle as well. And sometimes temptations come not only from Satan or ourselves, but from the world, people who don't know God or love God or care about God, and they harass God's people because they love God and they love Christ. So Luke includes this story about Jesus' temptation to teach us important things about who who Jesus is and who we are if we follow Christ and the things we can expect against our adversary. I have a few questions I want to try and answer this morning in the next few minutes. Why did God allow Jesus to be tempted? That's a question we want to answer. Why does God allow our faith to be tempted? What do we learn about Satan's sneaky ways to approach people, to to tempt them to turn away from God and to follow him? What are the resources that God gives us to help us overcome temptations that come at us? So let's, let's begin. Trust in God when tests come. We need to understand the story. We read the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 4, and we see that Jesus is now moving from a moment of high honor to a war, a battle, a great conflict that's going to go on for the rest of his life on earth, the next three or three and a half years. You might remember last week we looked at it, God the Father had just spoken when Jesus was baptized, and he said, you're my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit came down. So here's this high moment of glory and honor. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the Messiah, the one coming to save the world, the one to redeem us. And now he's going to be in a battle. He will be declaring God's deliverance. He's going to be 
beginning his great work of redemption that was planned before the beginning of time and now is setting in motion. And right there at the very outset of this ministry, he's already been there. Satan's been harassing Jesus, even as an infant. Now he's there again, trying to stop it from happening. Are you a child of God? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your sin bearer? If so, then you're going to have some similar experiences as Jesus had in the wilderness. Because you're chosen. You're a beloved child of God if you're in the family of God. And if you're a beloved child of God, then that means that the adversary who's against God is now against you. Now, it doesn't mean he's after me directly. I don't know if I'm that important, but his forces and, and his conniving and his wiles would tempt us to be disappointed with God. So in Christ, we've been moved from the kingdom of darkness. Satan's just lost a member of his band, and we've come into the kingdom of light. So now we're with God. We're now citizens of heaven. We now have joy and peace that can't be explained. But at the same time, we are now going to be experiencing spiritual battles like we never had before because now we have God's life in us and the spirit of God and the spirit of the world fight against one another. And without Christ, if you're not in Christ, you won't have that battle. But now temptations and struggles and tests come because we're in Christ. You know, there's great parallels with Israel and the life of Jesus. I want you to know there's a connection there. In Exodus chapter 4, when God's telling Moses to go to Pharaoh in Egypt, he calls Israel, the nation of Israel, his son. Israel, he calls him my firstborn son in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. And he, he said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my son go so he can worship me so that the Israelites, his chosen people, could worship him. And God led Israel into the wilderness for 40 years, and God led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. There's parallels here. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God, it says, tested Israel in the desert to see if they would trust him. And God the Father sent Jesus in the wilderness to be tested by Satan to see and to prove that he was the Son of God. There's connections here as well. Did you notice when uh, Nancy was reading the scriptures that Jesus quoted scripture? Those are all taken from the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses is reminding Israel that they were tested in the wilderness and they didn't believe and they failed, but God was carrying them along and he reminded them of God's law. So there's this connection. So there's this parallel with Israel and Jesus's temptation, but there's another parallel and that's Adam. Luke had just connected Jesus with Adam in his genealogy at the end of chapter 3. Jesus is the second Adam. The first Adam was tempted, and we know he fell. He sinned. He, he abandoned God. He went his own way. He turned away from God in disobedience. Now, Jesus, the second Adam, he's tempted, but he remains steadfast. So there's this great parallel. In Romans chapter 5, we're just reminded of that uh, connection with, between the first Adam who failed and the second Adam who succeeded. In Romans 5, verses 18 and 19, 
we read this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For it's by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. So there's dire consequences, right? Adam fails. He's tempted by Satan, and he gives in to that temptation. He disobeys, and it leads to condemnation for all humanity. That's why when Paul was praying today, we were praying for a war in Ukraine, and there's another war in Armenia, and there's tons of wars on the continent of Africa, and there's just distress everywhere in the world. Why is that so? Because we have rebelled against God. Dire consequences if you disobey me, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. And it's happening. But there's delightful consequences because even though the first Adam failed, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, did not fail. He did not give in to temptation. He depended on his father completely. He did not turn his back. And he, he obeyed and he opened the way for us to have life everlasting. There's three kinds of testing or temptations. G, or excuse me, not Jesus, but Satan tempts people. He lures us to do evil, to ignore God, to disobey God, to trust another power, trust ourselves rather than a true God. But not all, like I said earlier, not all temptations come from Satan. Our own sin nature draws us away. James tells us that when uh, we're tempted, we shouldn't blame God. No one's tempted by God, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. So that's the first thing that Satan tempts us. Our own sin nature leads us toward temptations. And then we can test God. How do people test God? Israel did it in the wilderness. You might remember God supplied all their needs. They were hungry. What did he send? Manna from heaven. They were thirsty. What did he provide? Water from a rock. How does water come from a rock? That rock was a picture of Jesus Christ. But they complained, and they mumbled, and they grumbled. In Exodus chapter 7, 17, verse 7, it says, And they called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled with Moses and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They were questioning God's goodness. God tests us. That's the third kind of temptation. But he never tempts us to do evil as he did with the Israelites. He tested them in the wilderness to see if they would trust him if they would obey him, if they would look at him and, and, and find help in him. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, I should read that. It says this. Moses is reminding the Israelites just before they go into the promised land in Deuteronomy what God had done for them. And you will remember the way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you go hungry, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Now then, in your heart, know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. James repeats that same message in his first chapter. When your, uh, when your tested or trials come your way, know that God's testing your faith to see if you will look to him, that you'll understand that you're weak, that you need grace and his help to help you live life. God's goal is for you to be stronger. So he allows you to be tested, even tempted by Satan, so that your faith will grow, that you'll see that as you lean on God, he will deliver you. Remember this, Satan's malice toward God and his people is a never-ending battle. The devil went after the first Adam, so he was happy to go after Jesus, the second Adam. That reveals his character. The prince of darkness is losing, but he's going to fight to the bitter end. I love what J.C. Ryle said. By the way, he was a preacher in England in the 1800s. That's a few years ago. He said this, He spoiled humanity once of paradise. Why should he not rob humanity of any hope of God's kingdom? So he tempts Jesus to prevent our salvation from happening. He hoped the second Adam would fail like the first. Taking a few minutes to connect all those pictures here because it's important for us to see that the Old Testament and the New Testament There's this message, there's this theme of temptation and God-giving victory that just runs throughout the scripture that Adam's failure in the Garden of Eden is overtaken by the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God in the New Testament. God tests us for our good. Satan tempts us not for good, but for evil. So let's move on real quickly. Trusting God when tests come. Jesus understands and knows our temptations completely. Jesus battled against Satan, and he won. He experienced the war firsthand. He experienced and saw the effects of sin, the way you walk out your door, live your life, read the news, and see the effects of sin wherever you go. He knew the effects of sin in his life and on the world. He felt it, he battled it, and he overcame it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, we're told that Jesus is the great high priest. In Hebrews, chapter 4, we read this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Did you hear that? Women, did you hear that? Every temptation you have felt, the Lord Jesus Christ felt. And he overcame it. Men, did you hear that? He overcame it as the son of God, but also as a full human man. He overcame it by depending on his father, by obeying his father, 
by leaning on the filling of the Holy Spirit, he overcame every temptation as our victorious Savior so that we could have victory too. He felt it. He battled it. He died for our sins and he's risen again. He's the conquering Savior. He gives us the victory. So it says, go before the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. He is alive and well, and he can deliver us. <laughs> Amen. Have you entrusted your life to that Savior? Do you remember who he is? We're going to be celebrating it, right? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That is the description, some of the description and the names for the Savior you have believed in. Take hold of him and we can overcome. Trusting, when God when tests, trusting God when test comes. I just want to review again the subtlety of Satan. In Luke chapter 3, I know I've been bouncing around a lot today in the scriptures, but let's take a look at Luke, excuse me, chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. The subtlety of Satan. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Hey, maybe you're hungry this morning, and you know what? Eating is not a sin, okay? So just let's make that clear. So it wasn't wrong for Jesus to want to eat. And, and, and you see the subtlety of Satan here. Since, that if, since you are the Son of God, show it to be true. Verify the voice that you heard from heaven that said, you're my beloved Son. Why depend on your Father if you're the Son of God? You can take care of yourself. Turn that stone into bread. Jesus was empty. He was hungry. But he was filled, it says, with the Spirit of God. There's more to life than bread. There's life with God. There was no need for Jesus to doubt father, his Father's care. Hunger was part of God's will for Jesus right now in the wilderness. Jesus was right where God the Father and the Spirit wanted him to be. So he need not doubt that God would take care of him. Jesus' temptations are unique to him. He's the Son of God. But Satan testing loyalty to God is not unique. Hey, by the way, there's no issue for me to be tempted to turn a stone into bread. <laughs> I don't have that power. So that's a unique thing, that, an issue for Jesus to deal with. But <laughs> Satan's always testing our loyalty. He tested Adam and Eve's loyalty in the garden. He's testing Jesus' loyalty to his father right here in the wilderness when he's hungry. And he's testing our loyalty if we're going to trust God too. Sometimes God the Father is going to ask you and me to walk down some very difficult paths. Maybe right now you're walking through 40 days in the wilderness. Does it feel like that? The devil's going to tempt you to take shortcuts that appear more easy and comfortable that lead to sin. And God says, trust me, I will take care of you. That was the first temptation. The second temptation was a direct challenge to the first commandment. 
I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus replied, there's no other God to worship but the true God. Worship no other God. He was offering Jesus a way to get all the kingdoms without the pain of suffering God's wrath on the cross. The catch would be he'd have to worship a small g God rather than the large one and only God. Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. I'll wait for the kingdoms of the world to be mine at the right time and at the right place. I will trust my Father. We have a great Savior. The third temptation is another vision-like experience. He takes Jesus to the temple. The temple's a special place. This is where God said that he would dwell in the land of Israel. So God was supposed to be present there in a very special way. And he says, go ahead. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. God will take care of you. And of course, Jesus replied, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. God's going to protect you. He'll command his angels to take care of you. He's quoting, isn't that interesting? Satan quoting scripture. Surely God won't let your you hurt yourself. Do you really trust your father? Throw yourself over and see if he will come through like he says. But let me just ask you this. Would Jesus need to test the father's care? Did you think about how God has taken care of him from an infant on, watched over his life, protected him? Why would he question what about Israel in the wilderness? How quickly they forgot. Is the Lord among us or not, they were asking, and yet they were receiving manna. They were receiving meat. They were getting the water they need. Their clothes weren't wearing out. Their sandals weren't wearing out. Their feet didn't swell. And yet they were asking, God, are you really here or not? Are you with us or not? How quickly they forgot God's deliverance from Egypt. How quickly they forgot walking through the Red Sea. And I asked myself, Matt Meter, why do you doubt God's care? He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you. He's given you eternal life. Why are you doubting God's care in this moment of difficulty? He will take care of you in life and in death. So what do we learn from Jesus' temptations? Tests are not bad when they're heaven sent. They're there to strengthen our faith. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, James says, when you've faced trials of various kinds because God is strengthening your faith. So if you're going through a hard time right now, know that God wants you to trust in him, believe in him, and he will carry you through. Just lean on your heavenly father. Lean on your savior, your risen savior. Trust the spirit of God that's within you. Jesus was right where God the Spirit wanted him to be. If you're where God wants you to be, then know that he will take care of you. Trusting God extends into our daily provisions. It's almost noon. Is anybody hungry? Yeah, there you go. Life consists more than food. We need food, 
but we also feed on status, don't we? We feed on social media likes. We feed on comfort. We feed on bigger and better. We love bigger and better. We love new stuff. At least that's the American, USA American way. But we need something better. Remember, true living is defined more than by material goods. Do not be rich in material goods and poor toward God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do you believe that? It's easy to say, not so easy to practice. Trusting God means we're not going to force his hand. If God really loves me, he will do this for me because I've made public statements that God's going to come through. So now, God, you have to come through to show that you're really there. See, that's putting God to the test. That's a mistake. God Almighty does not need to do anything to prove himself that he is God Almighty. He's already done that in creation. He's already done that in the way he's delivered Israel. He's already done that from dying and being buried and rising again from the dead. That speaks volumes about who God is. He doesn't have to prove anything. So don't make foolish choices and expect God to deliver you because it's what you want. Well, I dare to walk down an unknown path with God to be tested wherever he leads me without murmuring. Well, Luke writes this account to remind us who Jesus is so that we see his power, we see that he's overcome our great enemy, the devil, and that he's assuring you and me that Jesus can be trusted. Trusting God when tests come. God gives us resources. The scriptures are given to us to guide us. Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God's word gives us the keys to life, to live life well now and forever. Jesus taught it. Jesus lived it. And do you see it that way too? And then we're to worship the Lord and serve him only. Satan would love to have us ignore God. To love other things more than him. To not spend as much time with him as we should. What people, what things, what positions are we bowing to that we're worshiping? Be careful. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do I take God's grace so much for granted that I don't worry about the sin that I'm planning to do? Is that testing his grace? Isn't it funny how we grumble at God when we reap the consequences of our own sinful decisions, of our own foolish choices? Let's do something crazy for God. Has anyone ever said that to you? Don't presume God's going to catch you if you jump, if God didn't tell you to jump. We have armor, though. Armor that God's provided. Would you humor me and listen to these verses? One's from 1 Peter, one's from James, and one's from Ephesians. And please just, please listen, because 
Peter and James are written to people who are going through very difficult trials because they're followers of Jesus. And hear what these men of God say to us. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, that's what Jesus did. He humbled himself and became a human being, a man, and suffered temptations like we do, and God exalted him as Lord and Savior at the right time. He will do that for you. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's great news. Wow. James says the same thing in James chapter 4. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And then finally in Ephesians, because we are in a war, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So what are we to do? Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shoes of the gospel. Take up the shield of faith and praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, pray and persevere for all the saints. Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Do you remember who said that and where he said it and to who he said it? To the disciples in the Garden of, e uh, a garden of Gethsemane just before Jesus was going to the cross. So last Sunday, we asked the question, who is Jesus? And at the very start of Jesus' earthly ministry, the enemy of God and the enemy of humanity tried to make Jesus stumble, the Son of God, the Chosen One, the Deliverer, and Satan failed. Jesus passed the test. Did you notice verse 13? The devil went away, it says, until he could find another opportune time to tempt Jesus again. It's going to be the same for you. Win today, but there may be trouble tomorrow to test you. 
be praying, be reading the word, be comforting one another and encouraging one another. Those are the resources that God gives us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. He lives in us. We need the word of God, so we need to read it. We have it. We need one another to stay alert. We need support because we fall and we fail. We need Jesus Christ because he's the one who defeated our enemy. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you, because you're our holy God, your name is Hollywood. We want to serve you only, the only true God. Lord, we plead for you to help us to stand firm. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to help one another to stand firm. Help us not to take this battle lightly. And Lord Jesus, help us to look to you regularly when we fall and fail. Lord, remind us that you will pick us up. Give us strength through your word, through your presence, and through your people. For your honor and glory, we pray, because you are the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.